can you bring me a can of Diet Mountain Dew? Using my Jedi mind trick. We've been playing Battlefront a lot because we're both sick. <laughs> Don't tell him. Ah, shit. I got ah, ah, stuff all over me. Oh, there, there's another. No context edit for Dr. Bill. That almost made my voice a little raspy. I mean, I was making all kinds of noises just this morning. I was, I was, I like did this like growl. I've never even made this sound before. It was fantastic. It was like back in the from the deep in the back of my throat, and it was all. See if I can do it again. <clears throat> That's always a good thing to do when you have a sore throat. Well, it's not sore now. Back to the bin. can't laugh too hard it makes my sides hurt because of the sneezing the sneezing and the coughing hey, hey. Oh. Mm. Ow. wait wait for it Ooh, that's beautiful it's a thing of beauty <laughs> ouch <coughs> ouch tonight each cough and laugh will be preceded no post seated followed by a ouch Ouch. Ouch. Okay. Are we, are we in the show proper? Not yet, but we're going in. We're going in now. Give me cover. We're just... What is that? It's the oh, wind that was you. By. I was like, what the hell was that? It's like I just heard wind blowing. Did I scare you? Well, I thought it was going, you know, in between your ears. Oh! So welcome to Horror Month on Back to the bins. <laughs> I am ghoulish Paul Spataro, and I am joined mm. by corpse-like Bill Robinson. Scott Gardner is off digging a grave somewhere and can't make it today. Scott Horror Gardner couldn't make it. Unfortunately, Scott's, Scott's being, been bitten by the bad work schedule bug this week. And we couldn't even drum up a few corpses to join us either. So, uh, once again, uh, picking up on the tradition we started last year, October is Horror Month. October. There will be five Saturdays in October, so we're going to have to do five horror shows. My God. Last year we did themes, four of the five, and then the fifth one was do whatever you feel like. So far this year, going into week one, it's do whatever you feel like. <laughs> we'll see if that changes. Yeah, so there are five Saturdays. Not that I didn't believe you, but I just didn't realize <laughs> not, it not again. That, not that I don't trust you, but uh, well, I don't, tru- well I don't trust you. <laughs> Is there always five Saturdays in October? No, there are not always five Saturdays in October. It depends on when the 1st of October is. If the 1st of October is on a Saturday, as it is this year, then there are always five. Well, I guess if the if the first of October was on a Friday or a Thursday, then it also would have five Saturdays. That is correct. I have mastered the Julian calendar. So, no. uh, so as we no. started to say, we're going to do a horror month. Week one is pick your horror book. It doesn't matter. 
and we'll decide what week two is going to be. I don't know if we'll have a theme within a theme, or if we're just going to keep picking any any old horror book. But any will, old horror book. We do, do know it will be all horror or horror type books for this month. That's that's all I know, because I know no more. No, you know no you know no mas. Yo 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 mas. Yo yo mas. I don't know. I, I'm just bleary eyed. <laughs> I don't know if we become funnier when we, when we're tired and get stupid, or if we just get stupid. <laughs> Let's get it stupid, ha! Let's get it stupid in here. Let's get. And I'm picturing Olivia Newton-John. Let's get stupid, stupid. <laughs> I wanna get stupid. <laughs> Let me see oh. you say something stupid. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> never mind. I can't beat that. Oh, mm. ah, oh! This, the aroma that just hit me. Mm. Is the, did the aroma hit you, or is the aroma coming out of you? No, 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 no. Alvin's eating. Yes, yes. The lovely wafting of cat food has come my way. Wow! Ah, smells like tuna. Smells like tuna victory. Or perhaps breakfast medley. I'm not quite sure what it is. But he's chowing down, aren't you, buddy? Not even looking at me. I saw, uh, you know, I always look, I always scout out the Halloween stuff early, but I don't buy anything until after Halloween when it's half price, because that's mm. just the way I am. I mean, I have a ton of Halloween stuff anyway, so I, I don't really need anything. But now, I, th- this year, the big thing is they have, like, a cat skeleton and a dog skeleton. Oh, yeah, I've seen those, yeah. And then they have little, you know, you, you it'll, it'll meow or bark or whatever. Yeah, I could dig up a guinea pig skeleton in the backyard. I, I already have one in my backyard, thank you. <laughs> and I have two two guinea pigs skeletons in waiting. In waiting. <laughs> that are alive in my daughter's room. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I, uh, I'm going to bring in a little horror news, uh, I guess, since this is horror month. I've been watching Penny Dreadful on Netflix. Yeah, you mentioned that one time. I haven't seen any of it yet. How well, far into just... it are you now? Well, they just started. Uh, what well, they had season one and two, and I'd finished those in rapid succession, and I had begun watching. They just now put season three on Netflix, so I'm about three episodes into season three. Each season only has about eight or nine episodes. Uh, it's a show on Showtime, but hey, oddly enough, now it's on it's on Netflix. It's not for children. Not for children. Big warning there. Don't let your kitties watch it with you. Well, I mean, my son is 19. I think he can watch it with me. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, he watches Game of Thrones with me. It's Game of Thrones likes, but some of the sex scenes go are like uh, really over the top. And maybe, maybe I'll maybe I maybe I won't watch it with him just because yeah, it'll, it'll end up making us both feel uncomfortable. Well, especially the last episode I just watched. Uh, I mean, I've seen a lot of things, a lot of movies. I don't want to say certain things. There's like certain things in horror that'll disturb me. One is like when little kids or animals get killed. That always bugs me. But I think I found a new thing that disturbs me, and that's uh. Three people having a sex orgy covered in blood after they've butchered some guy and they're like rolling around in, in blood and having sex. And I was just kind of like, whoa, uh, I think I'm going to fast forward through this. Is that wrong? Because if somebody told me that was wrong, I never would have done it. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was that, that. That's the only thing that I was, I was like, wow, okay, oof, oof, yeah. I would have felt really, uh, I would feel uncomfortable trying to watch this with, with, with Ben next to me. Of course, Ben's 14. I mean, you might have be a little uncomfortable with your son. Definitely your daughter. I don't think you'd want to sit there with your daughter watching this. Yeah, she, she's not she's not comfortable. Like when we watched uh, Jessica Jones. Oh, yeah. She, you know, I mean, and those aren't graphic. They were. Suggested. Very suggestive. I think they, mm-hmm. they were, you know, beyond suggestive. You knew exactly what was going on. Mm-hmm. But they weren't graphic in what they showed, and it still made her very uncomfortable. Well, some of them aren't super graphic i mean it's not hardcore porn but it's it's on the border of softcore porn and it, it seems like one or two episodes a season will be really gratuitous they'll have a really se- big scene in it and you're like whoa and but getting back to the horror aspect it's really interesting because they weave together uh this season introduced um dr jekyll and he's a colleague of dr frankenstein and uh, you also have um, Frankenstein's monster. You have uh, witches, uh, werewolves. Um, this season also has in- introduced like some Indian, as in American Indian mysticism, um, with the guy that played the Sphinx from from Mystery Men. <laughs> you know the guy. I'm t- 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 you know, I can't, I can't picture him offhand. Everything he said was, you know, just. Uh, you must learn. You must unlearn what you have learned. You know, every, everything he said was a cliche. So now yeah. when I see him in, in this, I, I'm just laughing every time he talks. I'm waiting for him to say something stupid like that. And um, so, oh, geez, Alvin is climbing everything to get over here. Now he's climbing up. Okay, all right. Alvin's coming over to the mic, knocking things over. He's making his guest appearance. What do you want, Alvin? I'm going to hit you with the Febreze if you don't get out of here. You came over here to scratch it. Oh, what's the matter, buddy? Let me let you out. I think he wants out. Come on, I want out. Let me let him out. All right, come on. Oof. All right, there you go. <sighs> Sorry for the Alvin interruption. Uh, Alvin, Alvin's always a welcome guest. He was actually scratching at his ear. A little worried about him. I'll have to check him in a minute, uh, later. Anyway... So Penny Dreadful, uh, it's it, it's an interesting show. It's got witches, demons, a lot of folklore, a lot of cool stuff. It's got the sex. It's got the sex. What more could you ask for? It's got Ava Green. Who could ask for anything more? Ava Green from Casino Royale. She plays a tortured soul. Mina Harka is in the, uh, you know, uh, from Dracula. She is in the first season as well. So it's all the, these people's stories are all interwoven, and it's it's uh, it's pretty cool. I don't want to give away anything else. I would highly recommend uh, if you have time and you have Netflix, start watching. I think that's all I got for horror news at the moment. Yeah, I don't really have any horror news to speak of. Waiting for October so I can actually take down the boxes and boxes of Halloween decorations I have. <laughs> we don't doing the house up. We 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 don't really do. We don't have any big decorations. I think we've had a couple plastic pumpkins. We might carve a real pumpkin, but and you know the kids are older now. They don't really go out and do the trick or treating anymore. They might go out with the smaller kids that are in our extended family. Uh, but you know, 
it's not it's not it's it's not a big deal anymore you know yeah no i mean my kids are you know free candy is free candy but they don't really go nuts for that anymore yeah and, uh, you know but they'll uh you know we we all enjoy having the stuff around the house i have the mm-hmm. zombie married couple that sing love and marriage <laughs> you know i got i have i have a whole bunch of stuff around the house i have the fog machine for out front ooh i only really let that go on on the like when halloween falls on a weekend so mm-hmm. like, you know I, I can make use of it it doesn't really feel worth it when it's on a weekday and you know i only yeah. it for like an hour or so right when not a lot of kids can stay out and everything yeah exactly yeah like this time halloween's gonna be on a monday 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 Nah, it's just not the same no no monday so what horror books have we got afternoon no that doesn't work either i let's see i don't like mondays oh yeah yeah here you go i've got i've got an issue of eerie 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 like like the canal the yes the eerie canal like in your eerie canal don't stick that in your eerie you don't know where it's been nothing wow tough crowd so what's uh this is this (laughs) this is one of the oldest books we've covered not the oldest but one of them hmm yeah, when is this from? The 50s? 1951. When were you born? Oh, sorry. I, I was... Not only not only was I not born yet, none of my older siblings were born yet. Wow, so this is... Uh, uh, P.S. Priest Pitaro? Well, my parents were around. In fact, oh, okay. 1951 P- would be the year they got married. This is pre-Paul? Oh, it's way pre-Paul. So this would... Um, so what year were you born? 62. 62, so this would be 11 PP? Yes. <laughs> 11 PPs. 11, whoa, 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 whoa. 11 PP. So does that mean we have to do this first, or do we do... Uh, yeah, we might as well do this first. Well, well we're not going to do the whole book. We are going to do the first story. And this is... Uh, well, who was the publisher? Avon. Avon calling. The first thing that jumps out at me about this book, before you get into your description, there's, I guess, five stories in this book, and you're going to just do the first one, but there's a, like, a table of contents page is the first thing after the cover, and it's really cool. Yes, it is. I, yeah, I was kind of jazzed reading that, and then I actually got to some of the stories and went, meh. But the artwork on it is, is really nice. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, pretty detailed. It looks like it looks like a zipatone was used, but I can't tell for certain if that's it or if they had some other type of printing process going here. It's in black and white, and then like each story has like a block, um, like a quarter of the page, and then there's just uh, there's a circle in the middle, and I don't think that circle story really has anything is even in this book. Oh no, actually, I guess there's three stories. And then the middle is just kind of saying, Tales of Terror spawned in the eternal Stygian blackness of evil and death. <laughs> Out of well, the unknown horror of the night these come these stories of suspense. Reader. <laughs> Reader. Well, then there's a story at the end that is completely... Uh, I don't know if this is like a tales, you know, if they were telling a true story or this is like a what-if... It was it was like a spy thriller, this guy preventing certain um, bombs that were uncovered 
like atomic bombs or something that were going to be brought into ports. Um, but it's not really – it doesn't fit the other – I mean, it's I guess it's a tale of suspense, but it's not – it doesn't go – it's entitled Nightmare, but it's not uh, – like I don't know if – I haven't really read many other eerie books, so I don't know if this was an ongoing narrative. But but I guess we should cover the first story first, and then we can briefly touch on the others. That uh, I'm not really sure who even drew because there's you know back then there wasn't really a lot of um, and I didn't look this up on Mike's Amazing World. Do you think this is in Mike's? I'm not sure. Would you like to look? But the, or you per- to- the person who scanned this, and I would like to thank him for that, actually has a postcard at the back that he scanned, and he's crediting the cover to Wally. Oh, Wally. I see. Oh, hmm. And he's also oh, giving Wally Wood credit for the first story, which is the one you're going to cover. Who's check? I don't know. Mm. IFC, is that the internal... Independent the... Film Channel. <sighs> Thank you. No, is that the the first page? Like the... I, don't, I honestly don't know. Hmm. I guess inside front cover, yeah. Oh, yeah, I... Da, 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 da. <laughs> I'm like I'm, I'm so I'm like, I'm trying to figure out contents. Uh, I, I, I see. I'm so baffled by this. Yeah, some code breaker. I'd be oh, inside front cover, moron. So I guess uh, this. I just was... looked it up on Mike's Amazing World. They do not have this particular iteration of Eerie. Eerie they have, two... they have, a, they have a, an Eerie from the Eerie magazine from Warren, which mm. was in started in the 1960s. So Mike Mike did not go to Avon Comics version of Eerie. Gotcha. So this is August, September 1951, and the purchase price was 10 cents. 10 whole cents. Wow. Amazing. Amazing what you could buy for a dime. That Later on, you can make a phone call for a dime, then a quarter. Now, we don't even have pay phones. Right. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you once again because it's what I okay. do. Uh, comicbookdb.com credits the cover to Wally Wood. And on the first story, The Thing from the Sea, penciled by Wally Wood, inked by Wally Wood, uh, they do not have any credit for the writing, though. Hmm. That will be the last time I will interrupt you until your synopsis is completed. Oh, synopsis? Oh, I didn't write one. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, it's only a seven or so page story. I was just going to read along and make comments as I went. Is that Okay. okay? Go ahead. Have fun. The thing from the sea, under the sea, the thing from the sea. Stealing your your singing from earlier, before we started. No, you're not going to sing? Oh, that's right. You said you weren't going to interrupt. I give you full permission. No comment until the time limit is up. I give you full... I'm waving my hand and no one can see. I'm giving you full purview to interrupt me as you please. No comment until the time limit is up. So anyway, we open up with uh, a zombie-like, wet-dripping character stepping through a door, lumbering towards a man. Okay, I'm not going to go that much in detail. That was getting a little crazy. On board a freighter, steamer, Havana, under the shadow of a lifeboat, three sailors toss dice. One guy is losing his money big time and accuses the other of cheating. And I read the bottom section here. It came from up the bottom. It came up from the bottom of the ocean, a rotting something from which the flesh sloshed off as it walked. 
The hollows where its eyes had glared out at the world as if eternally seeking someone as it walked past the ancient wrecks and the fish that played in them. Its hands reached out, clawing as though to reach the man it wanted. And in the realm of the living, able seaman Johnny Smithers, yes, Smithers, laughed and loved, never dreaming that destiny was coming his way on dead feet. No need for him to worry, or was there? So we continue with the story to where um, Smithers, yes, Smithers, oh, sorry, keep doing Mr. Burns. I, I kept thinking of that as I was reading this story. So, <clears throat> the one fella thinks he's been cheated by the other, and uh, he threatens to take him to the captain. Um, but uh, he's like, well, you know, you can't really take me to the captain because, you know, he's going to say you didn't pay your uh, debts. So, tit for tat, and um, young Sm uh, Smithers throws the other guy who was... No, that wasn't Johnny. I'm getting my people confused. What is this other fella's name? I'm such a horrible synopsizer. Anyway, feel free to interrupt me anytime. Eddie, that's it. Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray gets tossed overboard after he got bonked on the head, and Smithers says, So long, sucker! And, um... Now, this is where this story... I think they just should have had him fallen overboard and left out these next four panels because this is where, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think this should have been in here because he falls down to the ocean and then he wakes up at the bottom of the ocean and he's aware of where, where he is, that he's dead, and he starts to walk along the bottom of the ocean just walking. So you obviously know he's still, well undead whatever at the bottom of the ocean i think this story would have been much better if that had not been left in because what happens when the havana docks back um eddie's um fiance is waiting for him but instead she meets up with smithers with johnny so johnny tells her oh he fell overboard you know because yeah blah 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 hey babe uh you know Come hang with me. So the uh, the hua that she is falls for Smithers. Meanwhile, good old Eddie is slowly tromping along the bottom of the ocean. And uh, see, this is where I think see this is where it got good because uh, Johnny was having hallucinations or dreams that Eddie was walking along the bottom of the ocean. So if we didn't already know that he actually was walking along, along the bottom of the ocean, we would think that this is going, you know, this is all in this guy's head. Well, eventually the story gets down to the point to where he's going to run, he's he's going to go away with the babe. They're going to get married. But then up from under the sea comes good old Eddie and schluffs in, causes his ex-fiance to pass out from seeing his de decrepit, decaying body and good old Eddie drags Johnny under the sea. And that's the end of our tale. I think you and I were talking earlier saying that it reminded us of, uh, was that Creepshow 2? No, that was the first Creepshow Creep 1. Yeah, with, I can uh, hold my breath a very breath of, long oh, time. Good old Leslie Nielsen. 
and the water coming up. <laughs> so it's a short story. But what do you think? Do you think they should have left out the first like three or four panels to where he's actually walking on underneath the water? I mean, I think it's drawn rather well, but I just didn't think it needed to be there. I think it would have been better left arbitrary as to his fate, and then he appears at the end. I'm, as I'm a, trying as... to, to think about that, and I don't mind the way they did it. I don't I'm mind it, but it was like... If it would be improved if you did either one or the other. Either leave out the fact that he is coming until he actually comes or have that in there but leave out the dreams that he's having i don't mm. know hmm. Hmm. i mean some of the drawings where he's having his dream it's pretty you know you can see where the fish has slowly been pecking away at him you know he's got sections of his hair are missing um like but it's still like wavy from the from the water you know down at the bottom of the ocean but still how long would it take him to walk back? <laughs> Might take quite a while. I was like, yeah, yeah. Long enough for the who would have fallen in love with the... Helen, Curtis. yeah. What a, I mean, man, I can't believe her. Ugh. I just... Well, probably, uh, probably took him till Tuesday to walk back. <laughs> and then he could see her. Yeah. Keep it down now, voices carry. Yeah. Till Tuesday. Right. Yeah. Well, it was the next Tuesday, wasn't it? What, how long does it say? Does it say how long it was? No. Oh. But just, I was thinking he would see her next Tuesday. Oh. oh, I'll see you next. Oh, I, ah, I got you. Got you. See you next Tuesday. Bing, 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 bing. You don't have to smack me in the face with it twice. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I bet everybody listening figured that out quicker than you. What? What? Well, I'm looking at the story going, wait a minute, was there something here that says uh, this happened on the next Tuesday? When I, I must have missed that. She, uh, in the first drawing on the splash page, she's got, like, really quite the pencil neck. It's like Reed Richards or, or, or Plastic Man. <laughs> I really like the way the water zombie is drawn in this thing. When he's... It, um... All of them. All of them. From the point where he's resurrected on. He, he, the, at the various levels of decay, I just think he's drawn really good. Yeah, because he says, like, as he starts to walk, he says, the fish are nibbling at my flesh, but I don't feel anything. Just just, just want to walk until I find what I'm looking for. And he's just on a just never-ending quest. And, yeah, later you see the fit, his clothes are starting to get ragged. And then when he finally comes up out of the ocean, he's all green and just, you know, missing one of his eyes. Oh yeah, just skin and just just bones. You know, you know, it's kind of amusing though. It's like he he comes out of the water and then he's got to walk. You know, I guess blocks and blocks and blocks to get to where they are. And yet, mm-hmm. when he walks into the house, he's still like dripping puddles worth of water. <laughs> well, you know, maybe he's having a little water retention problems. I guess. And then the woman uh, Helen just passes out. Ah, she puts her hand to her head. Ah, boom, and she collapses. And then me, I would be just cowering and screaming like a little girl. I would pass out, <laughs> and then there would be a smell of feces in the air. <laughs> but uh, Johnny's, like, grabbing towards her. Helen, if you only grab my hand, I could break free of him. Helen, wake up, Helen. <laughs> like, what's she going to do? She's not going to do anything. <laughs> no use to struggle anymore, Johnny. You like it down in the bottom of the sea. We'll walk along like this for a long time, so you might as well get used to it. No, no, give me back your money. I won't see Helen ever again. Just let me go. Let me go. 
won't see Helen ever again. Give up on her pretty quick. Yeah. I don't care about money anymore. I've forgotten Helen. To all I want is you, Johnny, on the bottom of the sea. Hey, I kind of got my gravelly voice back from this morning. <coughs> but that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Just think, Johnny, you're going to walk the ocean floor with the man you murdered. <laughs> As Dr. Bill keels over. And the next, the last panel of the... Uh, of the hand sticking out of the water. Yeah. You know, with it's all like in that, you know. I don't know if I would, I don't know. It's 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 like a claw. It's like all the fingers are bent like he's grabbing a baseball. It's like trying to throw a wicked knuckleball or something. In my mind it's like in the cartoons. He can he puts his hand comes up with one finger, then it comes up with two <laughs> fingers, <laughs> then it comes up with three and then you know he's dead. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's uh, that's it, Ed, for this story. Now, the other two stories, real quick. quick um, was that was that internet earning for a second? Real quick? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Intern Ernie, he's taking a nap. He's uh, he's. I just, you look on, on the other side of your desk. You should see this seven-inch tall guy. <laughs> <laughs> seven-inch tall. He's, he's taller than that. How tall is little intern Ernie? I don't know. He thought your desk was a bookcase. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe I guess he's a foot and a half. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Seven inches. He could lay in like a little dog. He's bed. not inch high private eye, for God's sake. He could lay in a dog bed. <laughs> like a little dog bed. With his little little intern Ernie snore. <laughs> you no wake me, Dr. Bill. <laughs> Go away. He's, I'm sleeping. He sleeps in between Alvin and, and uh, Comet. Comet. He takes turns riding him around the house. So anyway, back you, to story number two. <laughs> did you read the next story? No, I didn't. A honeymoon of horror? Did you? Did you live that? St- oh, sorry. I may, I may have. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna touch run it real briefly. Basically, man and woman till death do them part. Get in a car accident. The guy's wife dies. And I really gotta take. Did you look at the art when the car hits the truck? It looks like a toy car smashing into a giant life-size truck. Do, do you see that on, like, yeah, page? Oh, yeah, it's tiny. Yeah, it's way out of proportion. It's ridiculous, even. <laughs> well, that's how it felt. Yeah, I mean, but it's... it's... So... Oh, sorry, mister, but she's dead. She's dead. She did real good. So, the uh, guy's wife dies. He goes to the cemetery, meets a... Uh, of course, any time I go to the cemetery to say goodbye to my wife... I always meet men with red cloaks and well-dressed suits with a goatee and hypnotizing eyes and a like a black bowler hat and has me sign a, a um, you know contract in blood. Ah, there's nothing weird about that. And then he's chased by ghosts and uh, he eventually is uh, killed by the ghosts and returned to his wife till death to impart. Uh, but he had told a uh, psychiatrist or doctor about it prior to that and. The doctor followed him into the into the um, graveyard and thought he saw him disappear into a grave. And then, hey, he comes across old uh, Mr. Scratch himself as well. And that's the end of that story. So. Now, that story uh, was penciled by Louis Ravielli. Hmm. And again, no writer credit on uh, comicbookdb.com. 
And the last one, the, the Stranger in Studio X, or that could be 10 if you're looking at a, thinking of, as a Roman numeral, is a mysterious figure in glasses who looks a lot like Chris Honeywell, wouldn't you say? Uh, hold on, I'm turning to that now. Yeah, there's a little Honeywellish there, <laughs> Honeywellishness. <laughs> Who keeps telling this guy who's the uh, announcer uh, that he keeps saying that all these different people are, you know, oh, at this time this guy's gonna die, and at this time this guy's gonna die, and this time this guy's gonna die. Oh, at this time your house is gonna catch fire, and then. And, and and then he gets on after the guy leaves because he's told him that his house is going to catch fire. He says, "Oh, and, and he says, oh, we announced the death death of uh, the announcer because he just got in a, or he's going to get in a car accident at twelve fifteen, and then he gets in a car accident at twelve fifteen. And I'm like, what was the point of this story? How is this eerie and strange? It's just like it was just I don't know. It's like it. I don't. Did you get it? Did you really? I, I actually don't get it. This it, yeah. one was uh, unconfirmed creators Rocco. Mastro Joe Orlando and Wally Wood, hmm. unconfirmed. Yeah, it's just kind of wacky. Just crazy so, and wacky. And then, like I mentioned earlier at the beginning, that the nightmare story was basically like a spy thriller uh, of um, U.S. agent Andrico Banoff, hmm. which it's pretty much what it was was a spy story. So I guess it was a tale of suspense, and he saved the U.S. ports from atomic disaster. And that one's credited to Manny Stallman. Manny. Who I've never heard of. So I think the best story out of it was the first one, which is why I focused more on that. I mean, I, I did read the others, but they, they didn't capture me as much as the first one. The first one, it doesn't really have that ironic twist that you expect in these type of horror well, stories. Well, that's why I thought it should they shouldn't have shown that he was already shumbling, that he was shambling across the bottom of the ocean. Because you, you know, they should have, and then maybe the, if they had left that out and the him having the dreams, but then we wouldn't have got those really cool zombie, uh, you know, shots of him under the water. It's, it's. I think it's more that more the the story is just about like the inevitability of the revenge. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it feels like, and uh, you know, she gets away scot free, even though she's a hua. She's a hua. Yeah, if she had a couple nights on the town, you know. So essentially, she got both Johnny and Eddie's money. Because yeah, she's a whore. Mm. And we'll see her next Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, she got over Johnny awful quick. Oh, yeah. Or Eddie, rather. Or both. She's on to some other guy. She's up there dancing away. And she's I'm having so much fun. It's like the next day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm over. Yeah. All right. Well, after, I, I guess that, that wraps me up. All right. So how are you rating this thing? Um, well, well, uh, you know, I don't, we didn't really talk about the cover, um, because the cover has nothing to do with anything in the book, <laughs> oddly enough. I, because, uh, or I, did we talk, cause we had that little technical snafu earlier. We, we, we kind of talked about the cover a little bit. Um, we, who did you say that was? Shanna? Oh, I the, said Rima the Jungle Girl. Rima the Jungle Girl. She's, I don't know that that's who it is, but that's what we have. Like. One one woman chained in the middle of uh, she's uh, she's in chains, but is she chained? I guess she's chained to the corpse that's in front of her, 
who kind of looks like it could have been the guy under the water. Except but he's, he's got a skeleton head. He's got a skeleton head, and he's got a walking stick that actually looks like two leg bones stuck together. And he's got some kind of uh, bat baby monkey on his shoulder, like a baby flying monkey from the Wizard of Oz. Monkey on my shoulder <laughs> makes me happy. smelly. And the monkey's leg is shackled to his arm. And his, his arm shackle is at his bicep. Yeah, boy, that's got to hurt. Can't really bend his arm. And he's 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 got he's got a he's he's carrying a lantern, and then uh, you got the hot jungle girl in like a white uh, like a like a yellow dress, and it's kind of torn on one side. You know, we're getting we're we're getting some side boob and some cleavage, and we're we're seeing some leg, and they're walking through what looks like a like a like a sewer, and behind her is uh, the ancient one from Doctor Strange. I was thinking uh, the the guy behind her should be uh, rowing the boat on the river Styx. That too, that too, and he's got another lantern, and he's chained up. I think the chain goes to his lantern from her wrist. So she, on her wrist, the chain goes to the guy in front of her, and a lantern the guy in the back is holding. Oh, you know what? And there's another apparition behind uh, Fu Manchu there. You see I that? I think there's supposed to be a series of apparitions behind them. If you hmm. look, there's, there's like vague little heads. images, vague like shadows of people. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And there's so some I think other... it's supposed to be a whole long row of, of chained yeah. people, things, whatever. And that, and that, you know, apparition has a lantern in his hand as well. And then there's a skeleton kind of in the foreground uh, with another cat, monkey, imp, baby crouched on top of a, a, che- a chest chest cavity of the skeleton, the ribs. The hoof. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's... Even though the cover has nothing to do with the inside, I, it's I don't know. I think I still got to give it a B. I think I kind of like it. I got to give it a B plus. Um, the inside, that inside front cover, IFC for those in the know, is pretty darn good as well. And I mean the art overall throughout the book, except maybe the well, the second story, I wasn't really too keen on it. And the third story wasn't too bad with the Studio X. It was, you know, workmanlike, as was the last one. Um, so the art tours, I think I'm going to give them a, a, I'm going to give them a B as well. And for the story we read, I think I can give it a B to wrap out for a B for. A B. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, the cover by Wally Wood is pretty sharp i think it's pretty spooky the figure i like the least is the one that's most prominent that's my biggest negative on it the the green skeleton guy in the front yeah the buff green i think the the girl and the guy behind her both look better than he does i think if he had a different head we might think differently about it. yes i do i think if if, if it had like a frankenstein type or just a monster something else not a skeleton it just doesn't go Mm mm-hmm but otherwise, I think it's pretty sharp. It's pretty spooky. Um, I'm going to say a B plus also. I mean, you got to be thinking, what the hell does she do to get here? Yeah, really. The artwork is somewhat inconsistent from story to story, but that is explained by the fact that you have different artists doing it, I guess. Uh, the As you said, the IFC is very sharp. I like that a lot. I think that's excellent. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give ratings to each thing. I'm giving that an A. In fact, I'm giving mm. that an A plus. I think that's really good. I yeah, I agree with that. The thing from the C, I think it's pretty solid. I especially like the way the C zombie looks throughout it. Uh, with very few exceptions, I think the pages all kind of capture the mood, tell the story well. I'm gonna say an A minus on that. The ho- honeymoon of horror looks to me like I don't know where it's from, but it looks to me like there's photo referencing going on in a lot of these pictures. Mm. And they don't look really as sharp. And then there's some proportion issues. There's some angle issues. I'm going to say a B- minus on that story. The Stranger in Studio X. It looks like Chris Honeywell is photo referenced in this. <laughs> very very dark lines, but that's by design. I think it's to you know keep that one guy's face hidden. Uh, but it's kind of unspectacular. Nothing, nothing really dynamic about it. I'm going to say... I'm going to say a B minus on that. The nightmare story is probably the one where I like the artwork the least. So that I'm just going to give a C. Nothing special about it. It it, it really just kind of just doesn't grab me at all. So with all of that, the stories themselves are all just, you know, they're kind of run of the mill. There's nothing that really, you know, nothing you're going to remember a month from now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're, they're kind of fun. Uh, I'm going to say a C plus on the on the stories, and overall I'll give the book a B. Okay, that's what I give. We are in abeement. Yeah. So from there, we move to the second book, and we'll move into the 1970s. We will leap 21 years into the future when we will go to Marvel Spotlight Volume One, Number Three. From May of 1972, featuring Werewolf by Night in what I believe is his second ever appearance. The cover shows what looks to me to be like a an old lady version of the Bride of Frankenstein. I thought it was. I said it was the old lady version of Vampirella. And the Bride of Frankenstein thing is, I I get it from the fact that she's got this huge helmet of of hair with mm-hmm. the two white streaks going back on it. She's Kind of in the in the kind of centered, in, centered as far as uh, distance from the viewer, although she's on the right side of the cover. It, on the left, in the background, the werewolf is chained to the wall, and then in the foreground, all you see is a clawed hand kind of moving towards towards her, and then through to the werewolf, and she's saying, "Was it slay slay him? What, what's in it? I can't even." Craig. I'm sorry. Craig. Yes. Slay him, Craig. The werewolf must die. And it's Craig, K-R-A-I-G. Because that makes it scary. And the cover is by Mike Plug. The story is called The Thing in the Cellar. It's written by Jerry Conway, penciled by Mike Plug, inked by Mike Plug, lettered by Sam Rosen, and edited by, of all people, Stan Lee. By way of synopsis, I'm going from the comic vine here, because I did not have time to write a synopsis. I apologize. Anyway... <clears throat> A motorcycle gang follows Lisa Russell to her family's California beach house where her brother Jack has been staying since being struck with the curse of the werewolf. As she runs to the front door, one of the bikers crashes through the large picture window into the house, knocking Lisa unconscious. From the shadows, the werewolf leaps onto the gang who turn and run into the just-arrived police. The werewolf runs into the woods and later... and later, as he hides near a road, stepfather Philip discussing events with the police officer and another man. The next morning, Jack awakens and heads to the road to try and hitch a ride. 
Soon he is picked up by the very same man who was there with Philip. He introduces himself as Nathan Timley and tells Jack he can help him. Timley takes Jack to his home where he meets Timley's wife, Agatha. That's the Bride of Frankenstein check. Reeling <laughs> that they have been observing him for some time, Agatha demands information about some book she claims Jack inherited. Ignorant of any such book and exhausted, Jack passes out. He later finds himself chained in a cell, terrorized by a slow-witted, deformed brute named Craig. About to strike Jack with his metal hand, Craig is stopped by Agatha. When Jack can still offer no information about the book, they leave. That night, Tim Lee brings Jack some food, but is attacked by the werewolf. Craig saves Tim Lee, and the werewolf is left chained overnight. The next day, the trio try to bully Jack into revealing the whereabouts of the book, known as The Dark Hole. Ah, I was wondering if that was going to be the book. But Timley begins to believe Jack truly knows nothing. Craig, frustrated, strikes Timley and kills him. Jack, handcuffed, takes the opportunity to run from the villa and hides in a work shed. Having dozed off, Jack awakens in time for the transformation. He breaks his chains and leaves the shed to find and attack Craig. The two fight brutally, and as Craig gains the advantage and is about to deliver a crushing blow, lightning strikes through his steel hand, killing him. Agatha, having lost everything, returns to a villa where she suffers a heart attack, knocking over a burning candle as she falls. The next morning, Jack decides to find this book in hopes that it can cure him. Now, wait a minute. Where did he get the curse from? Did he get the curse from the Darkhold? He got the curse from his father. Hmm. And I believe his father got the curse from the Darkhold. How, so they were in possession of the Darkhold at one point, huh? Apparently. Yeah, I guess everybody's had that thing. Well, the Darkhold, this, this is the earliest reference I'm aware of to it. 72, yeah, because I remember it. The, remember the first time, one of the first times I remember it matches in um, the Avengers, I think. Right. But that was like in the later 70s. Well, I, when... just, I just clicked on the link from the uh, comic vine to the Darkhold, and the description it gives eons ago, I don't know how it's pronounced, Chithon? I always say it, yeah, uh, of course, now I'm trying to say it and I can't. Chithon? Chithon is the Chithon. way I say it. Yeah. Transcribed Chithon. all arcane knowledge into one book, the Darkhold, knowing that he needed to leave the earthly plane to flee the new gods which, that were taking over. Chitan created the Darkhold to act as his touchstone to Earth. Chitan can control anyone who uses the spells of the Darkhold, and given time, he could use it to create a portal to Earth which would allow him to return from his current realm. The Darkhold is also known as the Book of Sins because it corrupts the soul of anyone who uses its knowledge. As a note, Doctor Strange uses the Darkhold to destroy all vampires on Earth and created a spell by which they could never return, never again exist on this plane. However, due to his vast power, Doctor Strange was able to use the Darkhold without forfeiting his own soul. And it says here that it first, the first appearance of the book was in Werewolf by Night. So, mm. cool. This, this would, I guess, be the first reference to it. And it goes on to it goes on to be referenced in many books, including Darkhold, pages from the Book of Sins. <laughs> so it actually had its own series. Yeah, because the Avengers stuff was when uh, I believe Wanda was had been possessed. Uh, that's that famous one that I think John Byrne wrote it. I don't remember if he drew it. I want to say Perez. Either Byrne or Perez was drawing at the time. It was like the early, late, like the one nineties. I think was the number the numbering. It's it's the one picture where she's got the Avengers and they're all upside down and she's on Wandagore Mountain and she's wearing like a witch a more true witch like costume 
and like her eyes are all evil looking and everything. It's been it's been a while since I read it. Oh, well wait. I can I can just reach for my handy dandy Avengers book right next to me. Of course I don't have my glasses, so I can't read it. But this isn't an Avengers podcast, so you know what? We'll move along. Move along home. Move along. Al Moraine. You need Andy to come on and yell that every once in a while. Alamarine, we should just get a sound clip. So, yeah, almost I, done. I, I, I know I've read this before, but I really didn't remember it, and uh, I really liked it. I thought it was kind of cool. It was, you know, it was, it was a little dopey with the uh, what's his name, Craig. Craig. But, I'm Craig. But it was, it was just, I just thought it was kind of fun. And and I'm I'm a uh, I'm a mark for uh, Mike Flug artwork. Mm-hmm. He he was you know he was drawing a lot of horror books when I first started reading comics, so to me he's one of the quintessential horror artists. And and the introduction of the Darkhold as a I I, I would say as, as kind of a MacGuffin, but you know it, it it you know a lot came from that and a lot of story you know it made for some rich storytelling. So, yeah, it would still be. I mean, I know they were still referencing the Darkhold stuff in, 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 into the 90s. I mean, I can't think of anything that was used recently for it. But, um, I mean, I, I can't remember if we've talked about Jack Russell. Has he come back, or did he finally uh, meet his end and was cured? Uh I, I think it's like, you know, one of these things like they do, you know, yeah, he was like they, cured, but then he got it back again. Right. But but did, did he ever meet a like a final, final end? I, I hmm. don't know what his final fate is. Perhaps, perhaps uh, Comic Vine can tell me. Well, while you're looking that up, I just thought of another horror thing we can bring up. Or maybe we shouldn't shoot our uh, horror wide all at once, so to speak. Well, um, yeah, I mean, we do have five weeks to fill. Well, there'll be more to to come. Um, see what I did there? Wad. No, never mind. <laughs> oh, that was bad. Poor, poor taste. Anyway, uh, did you watch the recent, this week's uh, premiere of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? No, season I four? not. I'm all caught up on S.H.I.E.L.D. until this week's. No, I'm not. Do you know who's the guest? I, 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 hadn't, I didn't even know it was on. Until I saw something on Facebook about Agents of Shield premiere. Do you know who the um, the character was on it this week? Not offhand. Ghost Rider. Oh, I did see a picture of that. And yeah, it's pretty cool. And it's the ghost. I guess it's the uh, Robbie Reyes type character. It's the one with the car. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I would rather it was a motorcycle riding Ghost Rider. Well, it. Uh, you, you haven't seen it. But I think you might like it, so I'll, I, that's all I'll say. I will give it a shot. Yes. And that's all I will say. <laughs> yeah. Not sure where it's going. Seems to have some of the the classic Ghost Rider trope to it, but that's uh, which it's kind of weird because you know it's 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 going to be kind of weird how they're going because they usually don't like to use magic, but you know of course they are bringing in Doc Strange in the Marvel universe so who knows we'll see that's all i'll say about that now what was this lady's name again you said her name was was it was she agatha or something like that agatha well of course with a hair like that 
tell me that guy's oh andrea andrea no no, no it says now because uh nathan uh says you better tell her jack andrea has a terrible way about her when she's angered you wouldn't like you her, when, like she's her when she's angry yeah tell right. me he's not a henpecked husband oh he, he's he's like a prototypical henpecked husband Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Yeah, in, in yes, the dear. Uh, the synopsis on Comic Vine, she's listed as Agatha. That's, mm, that's strange. I, I list her as Andrea. That's mighty strange. Poor did, Craig. Did you ever see the uh, the first SpongeBob movie? Yes. Do you remember in that movie there was like a mo- like a like a sea monster or whatever that was setting a trap for them, and it was like like. Something it had like put a pair of glasses on it and a hat, and it looked like uh, what what, <laughs> what this guy looks like. Oh uh, yeah, wasn't it like down in a pit or something? And it, it made ah, uh, I think I know what you're talking about. Was that the one where they were goofy goobers and yes. uh yes. and uh, plankton had taken everything over with his helmets or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Yes, and they had to go get Neptune's is... crown. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's what it, that's what he looks like to me. I don't know. He looks like Hugo Strange is like Meeker, fatter Meeker brother. brother. Yes. <laughs> and it is the thing about Mike Plug is I think he drew horror really well. He was not quite as talented as drawing the mundane at drawing the mundane. I was just going to say that because some of the shots where they're just sitting and talking, I, I don't really like the proportions of normal people. They just, especially Jack Russell, he just looks really weird on like page 15, like the facial shot of him after. Yeah, he's got a re- he's got a really big forehead. Yeah, yeah, and the panel before that, they all look like cartoon ca- characters. Yeah, he they, he had a style though. Everything looked kind of liquid. Mm, yeah. And it wasn't that Gene Colan, everybody looks like they're in motion thing. Like, when he drew them, they all just looked like they, like there were no strong borders. They did work with, you know, with mostly thin lines. I mean, there's shadowing, but the lines themselves are usually fairly thin. And not a lot of superfluous lines, if that makes sense. Mm. So, Man, but Craig, I, like I said, I, th- I thought he drew the creepy and the supernatural really well. Craig's got a temper on him. You touch Craig! No one touches Craig! No one laughs at him! You, you wonder what he, I mean, Craig died pretty quick, but you, you wonder what his origin is with the claw hand and everything. And the misshapen face. Was it something that Andrea slash Agatha and uh, and her uh, Doctor Strange, her Hugo Strange husband, did to him? Well, that's what I figure. I see what you're saying about he's his style is liquid because if you look on 17 where he's transforming into the werewolf, he doesn't like a four pay a four face transformation that one flows into the other until because it goes from Jack Russell to the werewolf in like four stages. Yeah. There and 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 that's yeah that's a pretty liquid style with how that kind of it just flows in that that natural. And then once we're we're all back into the freaky stuff, everything looks really good. But yeah, you're right with 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 the mundane. Like the motorcycle guys looked, I don't know when they like attacked the house, they looked really weird. Like I almost thought they were creatures at first when I, 
because usually when I read a comic, I'll just I'll just go through it without reading anything. I'll look through it to see if I get the flow of the story without having to read anything. And then I go back and read it and actually figure out what's going on to see if I was right. Just, I guess, kind of to see if the art tells the story to me away. And then I go back and, and read it fully. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I, I generally, I generally kind of quick read it. I don't do what you, I don't just look at the pictures. I do read, but I don't necessarily read every word until the second kind of, second go round. Mm-hmm. Unless I hit points where I can't understand what's going on. Then well, I'll, I, then I'll I, slow down. I might and, do that too. Then I'll slow down and, and read every word. And then and then I'll usually go back to the beginning and just kind of go through it slowly and then and then the third time around is when I synopsize it. Now that opening splash, that's pretty cool because you've got the werewolf standing on like a cliff or something with a tree behind him and down in in like he's above the beach and down below him is the face of Jack Russell kind of in the water looking up and his hair is kind of mixed in with the waves. Like he, he's he's tortured, looking up, seeing himself as the werewolf. Yeah, well, like it's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of surreal. Yeah. And I think it's pretty effective. Like I said, I think he draws creepy really well. And I I think with the motorcyclists, I think he went kind of creepy with them. He, you know, they look kind of like kind of like dirt bags, like guys you would see in a uh, '70s or early '80s, you know, uh, bike film, or, or like kind of you know the the what you call it? What's the like a straw dogs kind of movie? Hmm. Or, or the uh, was I spit on your grave? You know, one of one of the one of those kind of movies. Oh, oh sorry, that, I I remember the first time I saw that movie. Oof. Yeah, there's that one scene. I know. Oof. Oof. Apparently, sorry. you don't feel anything underwater. I guess not. <laughs> oh, I'm well. I yeah yeah. Well, there's more than one scene that involves water. One's in a lake. One's in a bathtub. One's with a knife. Bathtub. Oh, the bathtub. Oh. Uh, uh. So how did, well, I guess I, I guess I rate this one first. Uh, the cover is diminished by the trope of this time where they with the blocking with the blocking, and I can't blame Mike Plug for that because I'm sure that wasn't his choice. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's effective. I think it makes you want to know what's going on in the story, while still showing you something that actually goes on in the story. So. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to say a B, and if not for the blocking, it probably would be a B plus. The interior art, some again, some of the mundane is nothing special, but it's not bad. But the creepy is especially good. So I'm going to say a B plus on the interior art. And the story's got a lot of stuff going on. I mean, some of it's a little ridiculous. Craig, Craig is a little ridiculous, but <laughs> I kind of like the whole... You know, they're, they're basically setting him on his mission. This is the second issue in which the character appears, and you're hearing about the Darkhold, and now you know, you know, okay, this is going to become a big thing. So I like the way he's laying some groundwork. I like the way the story just kind of develops. I think the resolution with the lightning striking Craig's iron hand is maybe <laughs> just a tad too convenient, and I think Craig is just too much of a kind of a joke character. But I'm going to say a B- minus for the story, and overall I'll give the book a... I'll give the book a B minus. Hmm. Um, cover, yeah, it's uh. Oh, hmm. I just know. Did they do? I see where it says Marvel Spotlight on Werewolf by Night, and there's actually a spotlight coming down. Was that in every issue? See it? It's a spotlight. Uh, yes, I do see it. 
I don't know if that was on every issue or if that was, you know, on a case by case basis. I'm not certain. I think it was on every issue, though. Hmm. If my I, I just never correct. noticed that before on a Marvel Spotlight book. Um, it kind of breaks up that blocking a little bit. Um, yeah, that's it's really a detailed cover. Um, Agatha, Andrea, whatever her name is, Madam Web. Bride of Frankenstein, Fanfarella, whatever we want to call her. Um, yeah, she's got some wicked jewelry on, too. She's got like an asp, like a golden asp wrapped around her wrist. Um, pretty pretty hip, pretty chic for the time. Um, and Craig is, is very mysterious. We just see the metal hand. Of course, it would be a kind of a letdown when we see him later. Because he's, not, I guess he's scary, but like here, you know, you don't know what he is. So I guess for the cover, I'm going to give the cover a B as well. To me, the blocking or not the blocking probably really wouldn't – isn't going to raise or lower it much for me. I mean I'm, I'm, I'm just going to stick with a straight B. The interior art, the, the surreal is surreal and the mundane is me. So – but the surreal and some of the scary parts – like there's that one with the biker gang that I do like. I I know we didn't really like them much before, but the one where they're like riding with their he- with their headlights on, and you got the one guy with his I guess his glasses or his sunglasses. They're they're just reflected white, like it's a negative image. I think that's pretty cool. So I think the interior art. I'm also going to give it a B, and the story for what it it it's building on and what it'll lead to. Like this is where the dark hold begins, and it'll have uh, you know quite a quite an interesting history throughout the Marvel universe. Uh, I'm gonna give it a B plus A minus, so I guess the book is gonna be a B plus for me. Okay, and just I was looking at some covers while you were talking, and it looks like the spotlight motif was just for the first four issues. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, I guess that's it. I guess that's it for the first week of Horror Month. I hope you're all able to sleep after listening to this. (laughs) Do we have any scary emails? Maybe we can read an email or two now. (laughs) Open up my email bag. Scary, scary email. It's very scary. The mail's here. Let's go. Here's the mail, it never fails It makes me wanna wag my tail When it comes, I wanna wail <laughs> it's, it's, uh, oh Doctor, uh, from SCTV, Doctor Well, you had Count Floyd That's what was I was on. thinking Right, but then they had Dr. So-and-so's 3D House of Stewardesses where John Candy would have the glass and he'd go, and they would do the music and he would lean into the camera and put the glass out, bring it back put the glass out, bring it back God, I used to love SCTV I used to stay, because that was on, I think, after Saturday Night Live, I used to stay up as a kid and watch that I used to show it on Friday nights for some reason Was it? It was always on really, maybe it was on you know what, I think it was, I think, you could be right I think it was on after Friday night videos because that would be on after the news, That's and then they would have, and they would be on after that. So I'd I'd have to stay awake through the video show like an hour or so, 
and then watch SCTV. And our first email today. I hold in my hand the first email. Which is from Mr. Luke Giaconetti. And the subject is like a podcast unto iron. Pliers of the time stream. Hey guys, I just wanted to drop you an email about Scott and Paul's recent episode covering Atlas Comics Iron Jaw. Atlas Seaboard was before my time, so I was virtually unaware of them until a few years back when I found a copy of Weird Suspense featuring the Tarantula number 1 in a 33-cent bin during a sale at my LCS. As Paul mentioned on the episode, I did cover this issue back on episode number 186. From there, I eagerly ate up information on this bizarre little failed experiment of a publisher. At this point, I now have about 15% of their entire library, of which they published a total of 72 comics and magazines. There's some good stuff in there, but admittedly the stuff I am most drawn to is not superhero stuff, namely books like Howard Chaikin's Scorpion, who was the prototype for Dominic Fortune, the hard-boiled double-feature police action, and the -the on-the-nose cop out-for-revenge book Target, at least for the first issue, as each of the three issues is vastly, vastly different in tone and content. There is some stuff which goes for fair money just because of rarity rather than anything else, but as a guy who tends to collect oddball comics, buying up all 72 comics and mags from Atlas Seaboard seems like a good project. The strangest comic they did as far as I'm concerned was their teen humor book Vicky, a clear Archie clone, only it wasn't exactly fresh. All four issues were reprints of the strips from Tippy Teen, published by Tower Comics for 26 issues from 1965 through 1969. Even more so, issue number one was a 68-page giant, the largest comic Atlas produced, and number two is Squarebound, the only Squarebound comic Atlas produced. Obviously, the Atlas Seaboard folks thought, we need a book to go after Archie, but had no idea how to actually produce one. I would recommend atlasarchives.com for those who want to learn about the classic Atlas Seaboard. Oddly, Iron Jaw more reminds me more of the short-lived barbarian, barbarian books over at DC from this era. Beowulf, Claw the Unconquered, and Stalker, more so than Conan. I guess because Conan, along with the other Robert E. Howard comic at Marvel, Cull, was at this point still mostly adapting prose stories, while the DC books were original. Even Beowulf, which bears little resemblance to the poem, but is still bat-spit crazy awesome. Adding to this is that Iron Joe was not alone, as Wolf the Barbarian also ran for four issues before the bottom fell out, along with a single issue of Barbarians, an anthology title, so they had a little sword and sorcery corner to their output. For what it's worth, Warlord also sprung out of this era at DC, but obviously survived much longer. Thanks for the fun episode, guys. Luke. Now, I kind, I kind of agree with Luke as far as the experiment. I would say I probably have five or six Atlas books. And I, mm. if I find them, I mean, I'm, I'm really only buying cheaper back issues at this point in my career. But if I found them in the cheaper bins, I would scoff up any Atlas books that I found. Yeah, I don't, there's really no, you can't find a lot of really odd older stuff, it, it, like right around where I'm at. The only thing, place I think, I, well, you know what, I take that back. There probably is that store up on 41 that Scott and I went to, but that guy's like, holding on to his books with a death grip and like wants to look every single one up you know so it's not a cheap bin store yeah, as soon as they start going to the price guard i start walking yeah. out of the door 
because we looked at that one, uh, I think it was Marvel Chillers or Supernatural Chillers, and the guy's like, whipped out the price guide, and me and Scott are like, oh, okay. You know, I've been looking at those same books out there for like 15 years, and <laughs> they're, they're, they haven't changed in what's out there either. He's not getting anything new, and he's not getting anything old. They're all just still sitting there. So maybe someday. His price guide. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You want to take the next email? Uh, whoops, I'm in a, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was in the Avengers mail. Whoops, wrong one. It comes from, you know what we need to, you know what we need to do? We need to go through and count, tally up between Russell and Kirk. No, nah, let them just battle it out, battle it out, uh, mano a mano. I think Russell's ahead. <laughs> and it's got a huge head. It's a brag, McBrag. Russell McBride, back to the bins, 250. Ask the binsters. Hello, backbinners. Oh, I don't think I could do this whole in a Scottish. Uh... Of course, if I try to do it in a Scottish thing, then I'll be berated by Mr. Leyland at some point. You Scottish is shit. <laughs> Hello, backbinners. I think my mind has changed on this name. It just doesn't roll off the tongue. I'll keep thinking. Great episode as usual. I think this email may take you into next week, so be forewarned. I was going to say that I did not remember seeing this Facebook post, but later during the episode you mentioned my name, so I must have. I was trying to think of cool street lingo. I remember cracking up my younger-than-me sister-in-law by telling her how dope something was, or this or that was so fly. It made her laugh. I still haven't watched any of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Agent Carter. I have the first season of both on Blu-ray. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think you can catch on Netflix. Agent Carter, I don't think that's on Netflix or Hulu. So, uh, yeah, Agent Carter you may only be able to get on Blu-ray. But I have no time to watch yet. I probably mentioned that I work uh, night shift. And could DVR the programs, but I still don't think I'd find the time to keep up. I have an Agent Carter question, but if it would spoil things for Paul, you can skip it. Uh, where are you at in the show, Paul? Agent Carter. Well, I saw season one. I still have season two <laughs> on my DVR. <laughs> I will, okay. I was wondering if the show ended on a cliffhanger that would never be resolved, or if it ended with no loose ends... I was wondering if the show ended... Oh, it ended on a cliffhanger that would never be resolved or if it ended with no loose ends. Uh, um, uh, so you've seen season one, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, so he's, he say he's seen all of season one? I've all right, because season, 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 season two came out... Uh, I'll say it's self-contained. That's all I'm going to say. Um... The, the things they did in there in season two could lead to other things in the Marvel Universe present day. That's all I'll say. You gotta watch it. Uh, you'll enjoy it. Uh, you guys again brought back fun memories from my childhood. I remember ordering comics through the mail. Mile High Comics particularly. You know, I always wanted to order stuff from Mile High Comics. I used to love going through and making a list of what I wanted. Yep. The the only comics I ever got in the mail was like a mail-away thing for Marvel, and I got like an, an issue of Alpha Flight and I think Spider-Man. Um, <clears throat> anyway, not 
enough about me. I don't remember ever using coins or cash, but a personal uh, check. I wish I could remember what I brought from there. Uh, bought from there. Your conversation also brought to mind a Christmas catalog order I made one year. I re really miss those J.C. Penny and Sears catalogs. Really, Russell. And why do you really miss those J.C. Penny and Sears catalogs? It wasn't the bra section, was it? Anyway, I might be projecting when I say that. I remember purchasing a comic collector set. It contained one comic book, <coughs> excuse me, one comic box, a pack of comic bags, and 20 to 25 different comic books. Excuse me, I had to mute myself. I had to cough. I wish I could remember which comics. It was probably a mix of DC and Marvel. It must not have cost that much or I couldn't have bought it. Scott's aversion to the Flash show is similar to my aversion to the Walking Dead show. And I'm sorry, Russell, the rest of your email is just gone, and we have to move on. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I have never watched the show, and I really got tired of seeing ads everywhere and every podcast I listen to talking about it. I'm not really a zombie person to begin with, so I am sure I wouldn't enjoy it. Maybe this is why, why Scott won't podcast with me all. Not only do I get... Not only do I get Disneyland and Disney World confused, but I but I watch and like the Flash TV show. Just kidding. So are you just kidding that you get Disneyland and Disney World confused, or just kidding that you watch the Flash show? Hmm. What reveal is Scott talking about that ruined his watching the Flash pilot? Hmm. Yeah, that was uh, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen the Flash pilot. Uh, Barry Allen narrates the pilot. And then at the end, it, t it turns out he's telling the story to uh, Oliver Queen and getting advice on superheroing from him. And Scott does not like Arrow or, or the Oliver Queen in the TV series. Ah. Oh, well. I loved Bill's reading email voice. It cracked me up. He sounds a little bit like Bob Ross, the joy of painting guy. <laughs> oh, but you're happy little... But bunch of happy little comics here's my comic collecting history i've probably mentioned it before on my show but i have been around comics all my life of course as a kid i didn't have the money to go full-blown collector if i had money and saw a comic i wanted it i'd get it mostly i didn't have the money <laughs> sometime in 80 83 or 84 i got my first comic subscription it was superman I got it mostly so I wouldn't be assured, so I would be assured of getting number 400. The last issue I got was number 404, and I, and I couldn't afford to resubscribe. Aw. If only I had known what was to come, I would have renewed. I was ignorant of Crisis on Infinite Earths then, and continuing that subscription would have informed me about it, and I would have been uh, on the ground floor of that epic event. That story probably falls into the comic regrets category as well. I pretty much stopped buying comics until 2001. I asked my wife if she minded me starting to buy comic books again. She didn't. Hey, good for her. Now, some 15 years later, she's divorced me. Oh, wait. Now, some 15 years later, I'm still buying. Help! I have a few comic-related goals. My top three are to collect full runs of Superman from during the Bronze Age, Superman number 233 to 423, and Action Comics number 393 to 583. That's what Charlie ne at least that's what Charlie Niemeyer says. Justice League of America Volume 1 and The Flash Showcase number 4 until his death in Crisis 8. Now, mind you, 
my DC archives are helping with uh, are helping me, so I don't have to buy the more expensive issues. But I do have a long way to go. One more comic regret was seeing Flash number 275 and not being able to coerce enough money from my mother. I know, not as bad as Scott's showcase number 22 story. Paul's mantra is mine as well. I had this comic as a kid. Why don't I have it? Where did it go? In my case, they probably went in. They probably went into yard sales. I was a very stupid kid. Well, my fingers are tired, so I think I'll end there. I like these types of shows where you specifically answer emailer slash Facebook comment commenter questions. Of course, I love the comic books you bring to the table and talk about too. I love every Back to the Bins episode, so keep them coming. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia, host of the DC Comics Presents show. Oh, thank, thank you for the email, Russell. That was, that was actually yes. kind of a cool one. Much love. Much love to Russell. The next email, which is titled Shorter Sentences for Dr. Bill. Hey! Kirk Greenfield, Russell's chief competitor. And Nemesis. Reads something like this. Hey, Binzers. While driving to work today, I listened to the first 45 minutes of your question and answer show. I think you should dub off those fake, those false thoughts and actually create a show called Welcome to Shut Up! <laughs> you could then rant and rave about everything from Flash to Arrow and Get Off My Lawn and Adult Coloring Books. I was surprised Dr. Bill had such difficulty with my email. It taught me two things. That I should write in shorter sentences. Dr. Bill has a hard time following my rambling train of thought. That Dr. Bill can really reach all the women in the audience by modulating his voice. That Dr. Bill should consider a separate podcast for the Lonely Hearts women in the audience. Well, hello. What have we here? And hoping the last half will be as entertaining as the first 45 minutes were. Kirk Greenfield, co-host of Imperious Rex, Confessions of a a Serial Surface Invader podcast, along with daughter Ren. P.S. I have learned that there is another recent upstart podcast that has used the Imperious Rex name. And so Confessions of a Serial Surface Invader tag has become, what has it become? Important. Important. If I'm important, I may as well look important. Uh, thank you, Kirk, and keep those shorter sentences coming. I like short sentences. Oh, sorry. I think we have time for one more. Wait, wait, wait. We don't want to talk about my podcast for Lonely Hearts women in the audience? Go ahead, go ahead. You talk. Hello, ladies. If you'd like to hear more of me, please email in, because... Unfortunately, I know we have no women listening, and it's all a sausage fest out there. On to the next email, Paul. Oh, I have to read the next email. Next one's a short one. Time! Time! Oh, sorry. Time question! And this comes to us from Socrates S. Alvarez III. Or Socrates, as we like to call him. Hey, Paul! Hey, Paul! What about the rest of us? Hey, hey, Paul! I think your show is great. Right up there with CGS and... I'm going to sing it. No, no. Right up there with CGS and Views. I've seen the comic podcast scene grow every year as new ideas are made into shows. I've gotten... I've got a great idea for a new comic podcast, but don't have a working name or the free time. How much time is spent recording, editing, posting, promoting, etc. on one show? I, um, I, I plan... I plan on planning this out before jumping in. I have. I also have an unrelated. Well, you know what? Let's, so let's just let's address pause. that one first. I would say 
let's just say if an average episode is an hour and a half long, we probably spend about two to two and a half hours recording. Not mm-hmm. because not because so much gets cut out of the body of the recording, but because usually we shoot the shit before and after we actually record the episode. So that's we got that. Then to edit the episode, if it's an hour and a half show, it probably it's takes me be... about double that to edit it. Probably about yeah. three hours of editing time. Yeah, because usually you listen through once and cut out and snip and take care of this and that. Because yeah, well, actually, I, I, I no, I do it as I listen through because I usually have a pretty well, good memory I do of what too, it but is. Then you want to listen again, and then if you want to put music in, but that, or yeah, that's what adds the time to it is making the occasional <laughs> snip out of it, and then adding the music in or any sound effects that we decide to put in there, or or if we have some talk at the beginning that I want to cut and then put it at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, the actual posting doesn't take long. Uh, posting takes a couple of minutes. Yeah. Um, promoting, well, that's kind of just the same thing with the posting. I mean, you might, we might do a promo and put, uh, ask other people to play it on their shows. And I, I find most of my promoting of this show is by guesting on other shows, mm-hmm. and that's I love being asked to be on other shows. So it's it's really not a, uh, you know, it's not something where I, where I feel like oh I'm only doing it for that purpose. But that's where I think. I maybe reach an audience that I might not otherwise reach. And if somebody hears me guesting on another show and hopefully thinks that I'm entertaining, then maybe they're going to tune in to one of the shows I do here on Two True Freaks. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, yeah, for, like, if you had a one-hour show, um, yeah, it would probably be, what, about for your recording time, then the re-listen, what, about three Three and a half hours, probably. Somewhere, one hour show probably would take about four hours of my time. If it was you doing the producing, it would probably take about seven hours because you seem to, you seem to labor over it a little bit more and. Yeah. I, I, I like, kind of work my way through it, whereas you start saying, "Oh, what can I put here? And how do I cut that? <laughs> and you know, it really there comes a point where I try and say to myself, "It is what it is," and I just move on. Mm-hmm. And I think some other podcasters are. Not that not I hate to to make it sound like I don't care, uh, but I think some people are just more perfectionist than I am. Mm. Ultimately, I feel like if the product is getting out there and you hear what we're talking about, you know that's that's the bottom line. Anyway, moving on. Um, I also have an unrelated question. You live in New York City. I do. Well, no, I live in Long Island, but I used to live in New York City. If this was six one six New York. You would have lived through Maximum Carnage, Onslaught, The Coming of Galactus, and other events, not to mention the monthly superhero battles. Would you still live there and read comics? This is based on comics being made of Cap and other heroes in the 616. Best regard, Socrates S. Alvarez III. Uh, my simple answer is yes, I would, because New York City is the greatest city in the world. Even when it was lifted above the earth by Terax, the tamer? Well, what the hell? I mean, uh, Slova- well, I don't Slovakia lifted... was lifted above the earth by uh, by Ultron. You know, it's not like if you live somewhere else, you're safe. Greatest see, city on happened? the face of the earth. I'm sorry. That's all there is to it. It was also turned into... Um, oh, what was that uh, thing they did? It was like Avengers 250, and it was also in Thor, where there was a uh, talisman that turned it into like a whole... The whole city of New York like went into the medieval period somewhat, yeah, like a barbarian. That was cool. <laughs> you had a sword, and you had a horse, you rode to work. 
I'm all over that. And there was no, you just, you know, you just made your judgment with a sword. That was it. Paul Spataro, judge, jury, executioner. I am the law. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks. And we'll see you next week. This is bullshit.